Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. Today we'll be in Genesis chapter 30. And uh, next week we'll begin a Christmas series in the book of Luke. And hopefully you can join us next week for that. And as a reminder, as you're turning there to Genesis chapter 30, this is uh, the last day that we are going to receive your faith promises for our missions uh, giving here for this fall. So feel free to fill that out and slip that in the box uh, between the doors on your way out. There are several other of these out by that box, so feel free to grab one, fill that out. That'd be great so we know where we stand with our missions endeavors. We're in Genesis chapter 30, starting in verse 25 today. And here in our text, we'll read through the end of this chapter, but we'll have a little more to study as we go. But we pick up our account from Moses given to us, in verse 25 of 30. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I'll give it. Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly. The Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything if you'll do this for me. I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in the charge of his, of his sons. And he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plain trees and peeled white streaks in them exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks and the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink, and since they bred when they came to drink. And the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. And whenever the stronger the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. 
Well, everything hung in the balance. Should he go after his girlfriend slash mistress who just stormed out of the apartment or what? Three years earlier, Josh had walked out on his wife and three young boys with the other woman in hopes of finding a new life, but now everything had fallen to pieces with his new lover. And now since the divorce, he was going to have nothing. He had grown up in the church and even believed what the Bible said, and now everything that God had said was coming true. Proverbs thirteen fifteen: Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Matthew 7, 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Should he try to go back home to his wife and boys? Would she ever forgive him? Could she forgive him? There is only one way to find out. It just seems that many of our families are under incredible attack and pressure these days. Not only do we take our families for granted sometimes, but our own culture is adding even more pressure to our families through pushing an agenda that suggests that broken families, dysfunctional families, and redefined families are all normative. Families are very fragile things and need to be handled with great care, nurture, and patience. As we will see today, we need to do all we can to bring glory and honor to God by honoring our family members, by maximizing our talents and resources in the care of our families, by following God's clear direction as we lead our families, by communicating God's work in our lives to our family, and by doing all we can in living above reproach. As we seek to honor God within our families, he will help us protect our families through his blessing and presence. Now, namely, I probably should have preached this sermon last Sunday before Thanksgiving. I recognize that. But now you're going to get it today. We've gone back to the beginning, the book of Genesis. All in the family is the discussion. As we continue our study through the book of Genesis, we continue to look for God to come through on the threefold promise that he had made to Abraham. God had promised many descendants for Abraham. He had promised land for his descendants, and God had promised ongoing relationship of blessing to Abraham's offspring. Two generations later, we are now seeing the beginnings of a great nation taking shape now through Jacob. And we also see God as he continues to bless Jacob, even though he seems to be quite a wily character. And on top of this, throughout our study, we have been following the sea line of the Messiah that was promised in Genesis 3.15, that a child would come that would destroy evil once and for all. And that occurred after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. There we were told this child would come, a child that we're going to be celebrating here in the next weeks. Today's passage, we see God prompting Jacob to move back to the region of land that God had promised to Abraham's descendants. But how is Jacob going to be able to detach himself from Laban, who has already tricked Jacob several times, including duping Jacob into taking his two daughters as wives, which we saw last week, which basically turned into a giant soap opera. But today, Laban once again tries to take advantage of Jacob, the ultimate schemer. And as we see, Laban is just no match for Jacob or for Jacob's God. 
Our account today reminded me of the old TV series, All in the Family. Maybe you, some of you watched that back in the day. In this classic TV series, bigoted Archie Bunker tries to match wits with his son-in-law, Michael Stivick, a.k.a. Meathead, with little success. How do you get along with your family, I ask you? Does everyone get along in your household? The Apostle Paul reminds us, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's funny how Jeff had mentioned that earlier. Uh, We didn't even talk about that, but that's the focus I wanted to get to. We need to bring glory and honor to God in all that we do. This includes how we live with our how we live with and how we love our families. So today I've got five spiritual truths to share with you. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this incredible opportunity we have to be in your word for even just a moment. Lord, help us to relish this, not from what this man is speaking, but from what you have to say to us through your word. Lord, we invite you to be our teacher, to be our guide by the power of your Holy Spirit as you open your word to us this moment. Help us to receive from you. Open our hearts and our minds to receive truth and to, and to walk in it. So Lord, have your way, we pray. Your son's wonderful and awesome name, amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's the first truth. We need to bring glory and honor to God in, first of all, honoring our family members. Well, how do we do that? How do we honor our family members? Well, first of all, by protecting our household. This is exactly what Jacob is about here in these first few verses. Genesis 30, 25 says, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, that's boy number 11 if you're keeping track, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go for you know the service that I have given you. Part of the problem and conflict in the TV show I mentioned, in the TV show All in the Family, is that Gloria and Mike had moved in with Gloria's parents, Archie and Edith, you'll recall, which brought about all kinds of frustrations and resentments. With Jacob and Laban, we also see the same thing, frustration, resentments that culminate with Jacob's desire to just go back home to his own mom and dad. And his relationship with Laban had become so toxic and he just needed to get out of there to protect his own family from Laban and his ilk. All he wanted was to go home. In a word, he was homesick. I've done my service to you, Laban. I'm ready to go home, he says. Verse 25, that I may go to my own home and country. Have you ever been homesick? For me, especially around Christmas time, I often have thoughts of home. Back in Illinois, where I grew up, warm thoughts of my two brothers and sister, perhaps a simpler time when I was just a little brother and all that mattered was what was under the Christmas tree. Perhaps we all need to long for home, but not home here in this world, but perhaps we need to yet long for our heavenly home. Just as Jacob was wanting to go home, there's another home we're all longing for. Through Abraham, we are reminded in Hebrews 11:9, by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he, that is Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. For those who've gone before us, Hebrews 11:16. But as it, is, as it says, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Are you longing for a heavenly country? Do you want to go home there? 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Hebrews 13, 14, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. John 14, one through six, we're reminded, let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's got a home for us. It's not here, it's somewhere else. I don't know if you've ever read The City of God by Augustine. I might wanna put it on your Christmas list. It's a good idea. Uh, I'd get one that doesn't fall apart like mine is. See, it's falling apart. Um, But listen to what Augustine writes. One of the early church fathers, listen to what he writes about this other home we're all longing for. He says, what we see then is that two societies have issued from two kinds of love. Worldly society has flowered from a selfish love which dared to despise even God, whereas the communion of believers is rooted in a love of God that is ready to trample on self. In a word, this latter relies on the Lord, whereas the other boasts that it can get along by itself. The city of man seeks the praise of men, whereas the height of glory for the other is to hear God in the witness of conscience. The one lifts up its head in its own boasting. The other says to God, you are my glory, and you lift up my head. I hope this is the kind of city that you're longing for, the city of God that one day we would go home to. Ultimately, the better country is where Christ is. Life is short, but we have a sure hope in Christ. If you've placed your faith and trust in him as your savior, we need to desire a better country for our families. Are you caught up in the here and the now, or are you longing for the there and the then? In the meantime, as we wait for a better country, we need to protect our households. And that's what Jacob intends to do by doing all he can to get away from Laban as he sets his sights on going home. We need to honor our families by protecting them. But secondly here today, by looking after the interests of our family members. Notice what it says in verse 27. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Notice what it says, if I have found favor in your sight. This is kind of with sarcasm, isn't it? Notice Laban's self-interested manipulation. In other words, if it now pleases you, stay with me. Really, Laban? Who is Laban really out to please here? Rather, what's really going on from Laban is, Jacob, I want you to stay with me, not because it pleases you, but because it pleases me. One for you and two for me. I've learned by divination, it says. Notice Laban's idolatry. He divined that the Lord had blessed him. What? Divination? Divination is an abomination to God. The use of tarot cards, palm readings, astrology, horoscopes to attempt to ascertain information about the future is from the pit of hell, Scripture says. Deuteronomy 18.9, we're reminded, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, 
Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Beloved, we shouldn't be seeking out this stuff. And this is what Laban is doing. He's, he's basically basking in sorcery. You know, I know there's uh, down on Portage, down south end of West is there, there's, uh, there's that, that place. There's a building there and it's, uh, what do they call that place? You got a psychic there, right? I've never, I've never been there. No. But you know what? I've always wanted to walk in there and say, you should have been expecting me. Yeah. <laughs> And you probably know my name. But we know it's all ridiculousness. It's from the pit. We ought not be about this. Laban continues to be outwardly benevolent to Jacob, but inwardly self-serving. Here's what's true. If you're seeking to serve yourself, you lose. If you're seeking to serve yourself, there's no way you'll ever be able to serve your family. We honor our families as we look after the interests of our family members. But thirdly here, we bring honor and glory to God by providing for our household. Jacob said to him, you yourself know I have served you and how your livestock has, has, feared, has fared with me. For you had little before I came and has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now, when, when shall I provide for my own household also? Now this is a, a good desire that Jacob has here for providing for his own household. All of us should have that same desire. Here Jacob makes his case that all I want to do is provide for my people, for my household. It's time for me to go. Providing for our households and working for our own living is commended throughout the scriptures. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4 that we should aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. The New American Standard says to not be in any need. Paul adds in Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. In a word, if you don't work, you don't eat. We should make it our business to work with our hands providing for our households. But fourthly here, we bring honor and glory to God by making fair and honest proposals with our family members. Notice what happens here in verse 31. He said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. So here's Jacob's proposal. Let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you've said. It seems clear as Jacob makes his proposal that he has something up his sleeve. Jacob has been in the shepherding business for many years now, and as a master shepherd himself, he knows how to play the game with Laban. Are you a schemer manipulator? Oh, not you, not us. Or do you trust God for your provision? Here, Jacob's a bit of a schemer. 
Do you want to cut the pie and pick the pieces too? Or, or can you trust God for your portion? Or are you more like one for you and two for me? My uh, older brother, Paul, growing up, he was six years older than me. We'd play Battleship together. And um, for some reason, I had the, the most difficult time sinking his ships because he would hang the boats off the board. And, um, you know, it's hard to call the next letter, you know, 11 or 12 or whatever. It's not on there. Now, the good news is he's reformed himself, and he's a wonderful man, <laughs> and, uh, and we're good friends. But again, there were, there were those times when we were a little manipulated, right? Is that how you work things out in your life? You're kind of a little tricky, are you? That's exactly what... Laban is about, and that's exactly what Jacob is responding with. Jacob attempts to manipulate Laban with a seemingly good proposal that really suits his own interests. And in the process, Jacob intends to talk, take the strongest and best of the flock for himself, but we need to be a people that is intent on making fair and honest proposals with our family members. It seems at the time of someone's death, uh, people just come out of the woodwork, don't they? Try to, all of a sudden, hey, you know, I was uh, Aunt Millie's best friend, and so, you know, I should get whatever she has. And it's like, wh what? And we start manipulating people and circumstances so we get what we want out of people. This shouldn't be how we are. We should rest in God by making fair and honest proposals with our family members. Fifthly here, by keeping our word with our family members. Notice what it says, but that day, verse 35, Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted. Wait a minute, a second ago he said, this is great, this is good. And now he's, he's uh, separating out what's good for him. And all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob passed through the rest of Laban's flock. So he... He does a little shifteroo, and then he like gets out of Dodge. He, he moves away, so what he has can't really be inspected all that easily. Laban initially agrees with Jacob in verse 34, good, let it be as you've said, and then immediately begins to manipulate the agreement. So Laban removes the stripes, speckled and spotted sheep, and gave, gave them to his own sons. Laban separated the flocks after agreeing with Jacob to let him have the striped, speckled, and spotted sheep. Here, Laban has become treacherous. Are you treacherous or are you trustworthy? Beloved, we need to honor our family members in all these capacities by keeping our word, by making fair and honest proposals, by providing for our households, by looking after the interests of others, and by ultimately protecting our households. But secondly, here this morning, we need to bring glory and honor to God in maximizing our talents and resources. So now Jacob, what does he do? Verse 37, then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plain trees and peeled white streaks to them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks and the troughs, that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink and since they bred when they came to drink. The flocks bred in front of the sticks and so the flocks brought forth stripes speckled and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the, the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he put his own droves apart. 
and did not put them with Laban's flock. And whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there so the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. Now, I'll be honest with you, as we read this and you check out with other commentators, that we don't really know what these sticks and these, we don't know what that's all about, what's, what's going on there. But there are some things that we do know about Jacob with what he's accomplishing here. He basically, somehow, with God's help, creates an enhanced breeding ground for Laban's sheep. He separates his new flock from Laban's and had them interbreed, according to 39 verse 40. Along with God's miraculous intervention and wisdom, he then genetically engineers high-quality sheep for his own flock. And through this process, he creates a strong breeding stock. And by this time, he had been shepherding for well over 20 years. He had a lot of experience and had developed the best environment and best practices to enhance the fertility, the virility, the quality and quantity of his sheep. And God has blessed him with a great ability and talent in this area. I ask you, what are your skills? What talents do you bring to the table? How has God blessed you? What could or should you be using right now for his glory? But thirdly here, we need to bring glory and honor to God in following God's clear direction. In verse 1 of 31, we now are into another text we haven't read yet, so stay tuned with what happens here. It says, now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. And the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father's and to your kindred, and I will be with you. We need to be a people to bring glory and honor to God that are following God's clear direction. And that's precisely what Jacob's going to do here. His brothers-in-law had turned against him. His father-in-law has turned against him. But God is now redirecting him, and God promised to be with him. Where do you need to be? Where is God calling you? Where is God directing you? Perhaps it's to stay here. Perhaps he has something else in mind. Are you listening for his voice and direction? Know with certainty that you can trust him as he redirects you. And not only that, but he promises his very presence, that he'll be with you no matter what. We need to bring glory and honor to God in following God's clear direction. But fourthly today, we need to bring glory and honor to God in communicating God's work in our lives. How do we do that? Well, we need to acknowledge God, God's active work in our lives. You know, a lot of times we live our lives and we don't really talk about God so much. Oh, maybe at church. But with our day-to-day people that we're at work with or at school with, we don't bring God up so much. But maybe we should. We should be a people bringing glory and honor to God and communicating God's work in our lives. Notice what happens here. First of all, acknowledging God's presence in our lives. Notice what it says in verse four. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. Notice how he's acknowledging God's presence in his life, even though his family might not be doing that. But secondly, acknowledging God's protection in our lives. Jacob goes on to say, you know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times. 
but God did not permit him to harm me. Notice how Jacob's now acknowledging God's protection. Don't you see, ladies, he's talking to his wives, how God is protected. God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. I've been blessed. Thirdly, God, we need to acknowledge God's blessing in our lives, his protection, and his presence. Verse eight, if he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the stripe shall be your wages, then all the flock bore stripe. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And then fourthly here, acknowledging God's direction in our lives. In breeding, in the breeding season of the flock, verse 10, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. We see clearly here how God is doing a great work. Verse 13, God says, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Acknowledging God's direction in our lives. Have you been doing that? Acknowledging God's blessing in our lives, his protection, his presence. It's all about him. You know, tonight we're gonna spend some time at 6 p.m. I hope you can join us. We'll have an opportunity to acknowledge God through how he has blessed us this past year in our refreshed prayer and praise service. I hope you can be here that we can reflect together as a community about God's goodness with appreciation and thanksgiving, acknowledging him for who he is. And that's exactly what Jacob does here with his family. But lastly here, don't miss this today. We need to bring glory and honor to God in living above reproach. Don't miss this. We need to live above reproach. First call here is we can live above reproach by honoring our parents Verse 14, then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do, Jacob. Now think about this. Are these daughters honoring their dad? Not so much. This is a horrible attitude. Even though their dad is a scoundrel, these daughters are not honoring their father in any way, shape, or form. Basically, they're saying, dad's a loser, so let's leave him broke and destitute. Besides, he deserves it. That's not very good sentiment. It's not what we're called to do with our parents, no matter how wily or ridiculous they may be. Rather, we need to live above reproach in how we honor our parents. But secondly here, we need to bring glory and honor to God in living above reproach by trusting God for our provision. Notice what these ladies do. In particular, notice what Rachel does. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels, verse 17, and he drove away all his livestock and all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Paddan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. And Laban had gone to shear his sheep and Rachel stole her father's household goods. Is Rachel depending on God here? Nope. I'm gonna get a little insurance policy here. Now, we've got some questions here. Why is she stealing the idols? Instead of trusting God, now she becomes a thief as Rachel steals her father's idols. Perhaps she wanted to plunder dad of all of his wealth. They probably were made out of costly metal of some sort. 
Perhaps she wanted to take the idols for herself. Maybe she was corrupted with her own inability to worship God rightly. And she was an idolater, that's possible. Or perhaps she wanted to keep dad from divining their whereabouts. If I take his idols, dad won't find out where we went. Again, it doesn't matter really why. The bottom line is she's wrong. She has no business doing this. She's not trusting God for his provision. Are you trusting God for his provision? Or are you trying to get provision your way, the way you think you ought to do it? Oh, just trust him. You know, I've been broke and, and loaded several times over, you know? And every time, God has always taken care of us. Every time, no matter how broke we were, God took care of us. We need to live above reproach in trusting him for his provision. But where we get in trouble is we start manipulating circumstances to, to benefit ourselves instead of trusting him ultimately. We need to honor our parents, trust God for our provision. We need to live above reproach. Thirdly here, lastly, trusting God for our protection. Notice what it says in verse 20. We get the conclusion to the matter. And Jacob tricked Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he intended to flee. So he never told him what he was gonna do, but basically I'm gonna maximize the flock and I'm out of here. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. Jacob sneaks off out of fear. The daughters did not honor their father. They did not trust God for their provision. They did not trust God for their protection. They're scheming. There's manipulation all over the place here. And with all of this, there is no peace. No peace. Again, if you're about you and scheming and manipulating, there's not going to be any peace. How can there be peace? Because you're constantly trying to work the system or the people for your benefit. As Christ followers, all of us need to live above reproach as we trust God for our protection, our provision, as we seek to honor our people, our parents, our families. Back to my friend Josh. Finally, when Josh realized that he had nowhere else to turn, Josh went home to his wife and asked for forgiveness. All this time, bless her heart, Becky had waited on God. They went through counseling together. They then went through premarital counseling again and were remarried just a few years ago. They are now joyfully serving together in their church and raising their boys to follow Jesus. And quite frankly, I've never seen, never seen quite seen a, a man who has loved his wife so completely as he understands the weight of her forgiveness and her love for him. It's really a beautiful thing. But what did he do? He quit trying to get things his way. He finally bent his knee to Christ. And then God brought all the blessing. Beloved, we need to bring glory and honor to God by honoring our family members, by maximizing our talents and resources, by following God's clear direction, and by communicating God's work in our lives, and by living above reproach in all that we do. I ask you by way of challenge this morning, how is God touching your heart today with these things? 
How do you need to respond to what you've heard today? In what areas of your life are you still wrestling with God? I encourage you, I implore you, give yourself finally, completely to him today. And in the process, you too can bring him glory and honor. And in that process, you will find great, incredible peace. Can you please stand with me as we close our service today? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we need your help today in these things. Lord, as your word goes forward, we recognize that there are places in our lives where we haven't been very honoring to you or to others around us. And Lord, we ask for forgiveness for that. But Lord, help us now to live lives that are above reproach, to live lives that bring glory and honor to you because that's why we're here. That's our purpose. That we bring honor and glory to you for all that you are and for all that you've done. Lord, we thank you that there is a way for us to make this right. In our selfishness and in our rebellion, we can turn to you. We can receive your son, Jesus Christ, as our personal Lord and Savior. We can invite him into our hearts, into our lives, knowing full well that he seeks to change us, to grow us, to mature us by his good pleasure. Lord, may that be our hearts today. For those who've given their life to you all years ago, let's say, that we just renew this understanding with where we stand with you, that you are our God and you are sufficient. We can rest in you for our protection, for our provision, for your presence. Oh, that we would acknowledge you, not only as we cry out to you in prayer or as we sing, but that we acknowledge you to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers, fellow students. Lord, we need your help to do this. We can't do this in our own strength. And so, Lord, empower us by your spirit to be the people of God you want us to be as we are longing for a better country that we might one day go home together to be with you and find all the peace and the joy we've been longing for. But in the meantime, Lord, may there be just a little slice of heaven here as we walk with you and trust you, knowing full well that as we do, you'll grant blessing and encouragement, strength, endurance, patience, your goodness, your kindness self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit are ours, love and joy. Oh God, we need your help in this. We can't do it. We need you. We need you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for attending to us. May we not just hear, hear these things today, Lord, but may we walk in them in such a way that you would receive all the glory and honor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your work in us. We pray this in your son's wonderful and awesome name today. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you so much. Hope to see you tonight at 6 p.m.